There was a post that I saw on Facebook the other day and someone said, hey, how many of you do retail therapy after IUIs or IVF? I failed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I thought to myself, hmm, what else could you have done instead of retail therapy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and why, why are you doing that retail therapy? What is lacking? What is missing? That, yes, you're sad, but you know, what else could you do? So you're looking at your love languages and you're thinking to yourself, okay, my love language is acts of service. I've just had this very disappointing thing happen to me. How much money do I have to spend on that? Can I do it for free? You know, how mm -hmm. can I get that fulfillment without spending more than what we actually have in our budget? Because you don't, you don't want to go and spend and spend and spend for money that you don't have because then you're going to regret it later and you're going to feel sad about it later. Well, right. you're feeling sad now. Now let's... Right. Let's <laughs> That's a vicious cycle. You're compounding the problem. Right. So, yeah. you know, addressing the, the love language that you have and then going and fulfilling yourself in that manner. So instead of going and doing retail therapy, if your love language is acts of service, you know, go find someone to go serve. Go find someone to go do something for. Go take someone a meal. When you're serving other people, you forget about yourself and your old trials and you begin to feel fulfilled inside. So instead of going to the store and just shopping till you drop, you can fulfill that, that need inside of you and you're gonna feel better about yourself. Yeah, that's, a, that's so true. A great idea to think about the love language and what healthy ways you can still acknowledge that you need this, but what are the healthier ways to go about it? And I think you hit the nail on the head there because what is retail therapy actually? It's distraction. Yeah. It's getting out of yourself and out of your own misery and out of how you're feeling because you can focus on these new lipstick colors that are so great in a super cute dress or whatever your thing is, you know, to redecorate your house. You're distracting yourself from your problems. And to some extent that is healthy because sitting around and, you know, just sort of stewing in our own misery isn't healthy. Right. So how can you get out of yourself, distract yourself, you know, with something that feels good? Welcome to Family Money Coaching, where we prepare couples financially for adoption and fertility. You've just heard an excerpt from your host, Laura Coleman, and guest, Devin Baeza, the fertility finance coach. We were discussing the five love languages and how they affect your personal spending. Stay tuned for the entire podcast interview. Be sure to share this podcast on social media. When I was in college, I learned about the five love languages. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time that I'm, I'm sitting in this family science class and the professor's talking about it and like a light bulb just like went off. And all of a sudden it made so much sense to me that my, my mom, I just, I just never felt love from her, even though mm. she, I knew she loved me, you know, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel it. And when I learned about the five love languages, all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, my mom is acts of service. Uh-huh. And since I'm a quality time person and I'm a big, huge physical touch person too, mm. I, you know, to me, it's just like, please sit and hold me for a little while with everything mm -hmm. else. <laughs> but uh -huh. um, once I realized what, 
why I wasn't feeling that I was able to address it and talk to my mom and say, Hey mom, you know, this is what I need you to do so that I can feel your love. And, and then I, you no longer had problems with that. Wow. So she was receptive to it. Yeah. She was totally, totally. Then I fast forward, um, married a guy that is, uh, gifts, gift giving is his love language. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, <laughs> you couldn't care less. I could care less. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now we're recording this on Valentine's day, right? I know. Right. Yeah. Happy Valentine's and my husband, <laughs> I know that it's like killing him. He wants to get me the roses. He wants to give me the chocolates. Uh, he wants to get me a car. And I'm just like, nah, you don't want him to waste just, the money on it, huh? Yeah. Just let's make dinner <laughs> and sit together. I don't, right. Uh-huh. I don't want to waste money on it. Yep. Yep. And, and, um, so I, but I know it's killing him because that's his love language. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. And it's so helpful to know what your own love language is. And then also the people around you, because it's not just your spouse. Like you just said, your mom, it, you know, brought a whole different level of understanding to that situation or even, you know, your kids, like the other people in your life that you just naturally assume accept love, see love, feel love the same way you do, because we always assume our perspective is the only one, you know, and you, then you realize you don't need to take things personally. It's just that you're speaking a different language. If I'm speaking English and you're speaking Chinese, we could be saying the same thing, you know, but we don't understand each other. We don't feel it. So I think it's a great starting point in anyone who's delving into relationship issues, financial issues. And even I, especially I think in early adulthood, I think you said college years. I think I was right out of college and early years of my marriage when I read the book and it, it's really worth reading. It's a classic for a reason. Absolutely. So we're here, we are, we're money experts and we're talking Mm -hmm. about the love languages. If we don't understand our love language, How does that affect our spending habits? So I definitely think that knowing your primary love language, at least gives you an insight and your, and your, we'll just assume spouse for the sake of conversation gives you an insight into your money conflicts. So I have a really ridiculous fight to tell you about with my husband. If you're okay, I love your personal stories. (laughs) I kind of hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Okay. So we had the dumbest fight um, over tablespoons in silverware because we had been in our new house, eh, not quite a year. And um, we had to kind of start from scratch buying stuff. I mean, we had, I mean, half of a couch and a couple, you know, beds and that was it. So with this whole house to furnish, which of course gets pricey if you're wanting to do it nice and do it right. So at one point, he, you know, we had the conversation and he was like, yeah, we need to tone back the spending a little bit on the house, like, and refocus our priorities right now to building back up emergency savings. So I took those words to heart and I stopped, I quit going, you know, shopping for anything of any sort for the house that, that, that got put on hold because our priorities had shifted. So fast forward, I come home and to me, the kitchen is my domain because he's never cooked a dinner in his life. So I come home and open the drawer and all of the silverware is in this really ugly plastic tray and it doesn't match any of our stuff. And I mean, I didn't mean to nitpick, but I just couldn't stand it. I was like, this thing is so ugly. I, you have to take this back. This was a huge waste of money. Why did you not ask me about this? Why are you trying to reorganize my drawers? Go focus on your own closet. You know, I just started like, really getting annoyed with it. And so he was like, well, we just have this stuff in bags or thrown in drawers. It needs to be organized. 
And it came to a head when he said, I just thought you would have made more progress by now since we moved into the new house. Yeah. Right. So being words of affirmation is my, you know, top love language. Then the flip side of that is that words hurt because I take them very seriously. So when he said that I was like, okay, buddy, it's on, you know, if you're telling me that you need this kitchen organized, it's not that I'm lazy or that I haven't, you know, wanted to do it. I, I thought we were saving money. So I'm like, well, why don't you watch the kids and I'll go make some progress. And so what did I do? I went to eight stores and dropped a couple hundred bucks on stuff for the kitchen and came home. And I was like, bam, there you go. Here's your progress, buddy. You know, all I need is one day alone and and free range and I can get this all organized. So then he was mad because he was like, did you do this on purpose? Did you go, you know, blow money, revenge spending, Uh (laughs) Um, you know, to sort of spite me. And I was like, no, I, I did it because you want some progress. Here's your progress. But then when I thought about it, I really couldn't deny there was a little twinge of revenge spending in there. Like, screw you, buddy. You know, I will make this progress you're looking for real quick with, you know, your debit card. <laughs> so it was the dumbest fight over tablespoons. But can I tell you that now we have a decorative holder to put tablespoons on the counter that are gold and match the rest of our decor. <laughs> Oh and the drawers are organized. So I guess it was worth it. But every time I my leave, house and organize my drawers. <laughs> Let me tell you, you just need one angry day of spending yeah, to get your yeah. kitchen organized. You That's know, and every awesome. time I see those tablespoons, it reminds me of one of the dumbest fights we ever had, which of course was had nothing to do with tablespoons, right? It was right. that right. the words of affirmation that he wasn't giving me, the words he said that hurt me. Right. Um, you know, and he, his probably, I would imagine his love language would be acts of service, especially considering how he grew up. And so he thought he was doing me a favor mm-hmm. by organizing the kitchen for me yep. for whatever reason, Devin's busy and she can't get this done. I'll do it. I'll take it upon myself. And he thought I would appreciate it, but acts of service is my least favorite. <laughs> so I didn't appreciate it at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You know, um, more you understand your own personal love language and then the love language of your spouse, like it's, it makes so much sense mm-hmm. like, to me. I, again, being a quality time, I, I have to have that, that, that savings account where it's dedicated to date night because mm. if I don't, then I just feel, I feel frazzled. I feel anxious and, uh, incomplete. And then I don't feel like I've connected with my spouse and, mm-hmm. and I feel distant from him when we're not going on those dates and having that quality time and going and doing things together. And right. for him, he's just like, you know, here, let me, let me buy you a gift. I'm like, I don't want a gift, you know, don't right. you want spend any money on me. You know? Right. <laughs> right. And I think it takes away the judgment of it and it helps you to not take things personal. So it's not that one is better than or worse than the other. They're just different. So it's, you know, the natural tendency is to think all he wants to do is buy me a gift. I just want to spend time with him that yours is a little more self-righteous, you know, and his is a little beneath you. But then after you learn that it's just a different language, you know, that it it doesn't really have anything to do with you. 
And he is expressing his love just the same as you saying, I really want to hang out with you today is him giving you a gift and saying, I really wanted to give you something to bring you some joy today. Right. You know, those are both sweet gestures. You both mean well and are trying to nurture each other and your relationship, you know, in different ways. Yep. I think it's, it's such a good thing to have an understanding of what have you seen with your clients and them not honoring each other's love languages, or maybe not even honoring their own. Like, how do you see that show up in spending? If someone does not respect another person's love language, uh, for example, uh, if your love language is gifts, you know, Mm -hmm. gift giving, if, if that is your love language and you haven't planned for it into your spending plan, they're going to go sneak it, which is a little bit of financial infidelity. Mm -hmm. You're you're going to hide things from your spouse. You might lie to them and say, oh, I only spent $50. When in Mm -hmm. fact, you spend a hundred because they're embarrassed uh, and and they want to not let their spouse know, oh, I, I did spend more than what you know, what's there. But, and and the other thing is, is, you know, they do go into debt. You know, if your love language is quality time and you want to go and spend time with people and you're going out to eat on a regular basis, you're overspending because you're not, you you haven't um, decided on what's enough. You haven't decided on what you plan on spending. You're just going and doing, not really thinking about it. You know, you want to feel fulfilled, but because you haven't defined enough, you just keep going and go, I'm going to go out to eat and go out to eat and go out to eat because I want to spend time with people and I'm going to go to parties and I want to be with people. But, but you're overspending because you haven't sat down and said, Hey, you know what? $200. That is what is going to help me feel fulfilled. That's going to meet my love language. And, and I can't spend any more than that because I, that's all I can afford is $200. So then, you know, put that aside in an account or um, put it aside in an envelope or however you want to put it aside. But that money needs to be marked for your love language specifically and say, my love language is, is quality time. That's what I'm going to spend this money on so that I can feel fulfilled and I'm not overspending in other areas trying to compensate for this missing emptiness inside me. Because when your love language is not met, you're, you're empty inside. You, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeking to fulfill it, but it's, Mm -hmm. you're never going to feel fulfilled because you're, you're trying to fulfill it in the wrong way. Right. And that makes a lot of sense since quality time is my second one. And when my husband and I got really serious about budgeting during infertility treatments and talking about where could we um, save money. And the first thing on the chopping block for him was food, was eating out, you know, we need to eat out less. And we were, you know, young and single and working. And so it's just so much easier to go out to dinner. Yeah, And I got really upset about it. And I knew it was a little bit unreasonable how upset I was. And I, it took me some time to realize that it wasn't just the eating out, um, that mattered one, you know, I didn't want to have to cook. So to me, that was annoying for him to be like, let's stay in and eat. Cause what that means is you have to cook every day, but also because of what it gave me, which to me, going out with him at a restaurant meant we were putting our phones away, meant we were having a conversation. We were catching up about our day. It was just the two of us. And I really looked forward to that. And so to me, what he was taking away was, you know, my, my joy, my happiness, my connection with him. Like, you know, this is our special time. You're taking, you're trying to take this away from me. And I felt protective of it. And I felt like it was a huge sacrifice. 
And so I like what you just said, because if you know your love language and if you take money and set it aside, then that is proactive, you know, supporting something that matters to you and you can reframe it. It's not a sacrifice to go to $200 a month instead of $400 a month for your eating out budget. It's proactively saying here is $200. This is to honor myself and what my needs are, you know, and it is our responsibility to know what your love language is and to inform your partner about what you need because they can't read your mind and you can't expect them to know more about you than you know about yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I can't expect my husband to be like, why is Devin so angry that I just said we can't go out for Mexican food tonight (laughs) and psychoanalyze that, you know, it's my responsibility to tell him what I really need is connection to you. How can we recreate that at home? So what I would do is go and get uh, an easy sort of more gourmet meal, but something easy at home. And then I put it on, you know, a nice plate and I would, we would sit down at the table. We would still put our phones away and catch up about our day. And it wasn't, you know, as nice as having someone come serve food to you, but it was a great compromise because I still got what I needed and we still saved money doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There was a, a post that I saw on Facebook the other day and someone said, Hey, how many of you do uh, retail therapy after IUIs or IVF failed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought to myself, Hmm, what else could you have done instead of retail therapy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. And why, why are you doing that retail therapy? What is lacking? What is missing that? Yes, you're sad, but you know, what else could you do? So you're looking at your love languages and you're thinking to yourself, okay, my love language is acts of service. I've just had this very disappointing thing happen to me. How much money do I have to spend on that? Can I do it for free? You know, how can I get that fulfillment without spending more than what we actually have in our budget? Because you don't, you don't want to go and spend and spend and spend for money that you don't have because then you're going to regret it later and you're going to feel sad about it later. Well, right. you're feeling sad now. Now let's Right. Let's, That's a vicious cycle. You're compounding the problem. Right. So, yeah. you know, addressing the the love language that you have and then going and fulfilling yourself in that manner. So, instead of going and doing retail therapy, if your love language is acts of service, you know, go find someone to go serve. Go find someone to go do something for go take someone a meal when you're serving other people, you forget about yourself and your old trials and you begin to feel fulfilled inside. So instead of going to the store and just shopping till you drop, you can fulfill that, that need inside of you and you're going to feel better about yourself. Yeah. That's a, that's so true. A great idea. Think about the love language and what healthy ways you can still acknowledge that you need this, but what are the healthier ways to go about it? And I think you hit the nail on the head there because what is retail therapy actually? It's distraction. Yeah. It's getting out of yourself and out of your own misery and out of how you're feeling because you can focus on these new lipstick colors that are so great and the super cute dress or whatever your thing is, you know, to redecorate your house. You're distracting yourself from your problems. And to some extent that is healthy because sitting around and, you know, just sort of stewing in our own misery isn't healthy. So how can you get out of yourself, distract yourself, you know, with something that feels good. And like you just said, serving others, all it forces you to stop thinking about your own life for that moment and think about somebody else. I think even 
you know, music. It go, you know, listen to a song that you can really jam out to and sing along with or dance to or, you know, anything to get you out of where you're at in your head right now. Reading a good book, like there's other healthier, cheaper <laughs> distractions. Right, right. That won't make you miserable later. So finding the healthy alternative, you know, to your love language and making sure you still honor that. But what's what's the healthy alternative to you know, the unhealthy ways this can show up in my life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, what are some ways that you have planned for money and your spending plans so that your love language has been met? The words of affirmation, I mean, those are free. So that's great. I'm, that's the top language. It's a challenge because um, my husband, That's pro- that would probably be his least. Like he is not someone who's, you know, very, ex- doesn't express himself through words all of the time. So. I wouldn't say I have to necessarily set aside money for that. It's just letting him know what I need to hear sometimes. And when I was younger, I would take the stance that if he didn't say it, he didn't come up with it on his own, on his own time and tell me exactly what I needed to hear. It meant that he didn't care because if I have to tell you, give me a compliment about my dress tonight, then it doesn't seem sincere, right? And so then by the time I dragged it out of him, it was like pulling teeth. Then he tells me something, but then I'm like, whatever, you don't mean it, <laughs> you know? So it felt kind of pointless. So I had to, I think it just comes with maturity. Let him know I need a compliment right now. Let him come up with it. And then genuinely receive that. Um, the quality time is my second one. And it's pretty up there. I would say it's almost as much as words of affirmation. We do want to have money set aside and we do have money set aside in our budget for entertainment that does not include the kids. I really need a date night. And I can tell when we've gone too long without one because I feel disconnected. We're arguing more. We're just, you know, that romantic part of the relationship. It just, it feels lost. You know, it's, it's yeah. real easy to get on with the rest of of your life and feel like you're in a partnership with somebody, you're working towards the same goals. It's not even that you're not getting along, but you just haven't really connected. So we have um, money set aside for a babysitter for a night out. And, you know, there might be some months where that's done on a budget. We, you know, there's been a lot of times in our life, especially during infertility treatment and with young children that, you know, we don't go anywhere without a coupon. You know, we're getting two for one at Ruby Tuesdays, but it's still a date. Right. (laughs) You know, go to the dollar theater if you can, uh, or even, um, finding, you know, ways to recreate a date night at home. Like, yeah, we're watching our show together. We're popping some popcorn. We're turning off our phone. Um, so I, I, I know that about myself now and about our relationship that we need that. So we definitely budget accordingly. 2015. So it's been a couple of years, but in 2015 was when I had a miscarriage mm-hmm. and we had, our daughter was three years old and I just had a miscarriage. And then we started fostering our boys and one was a 22 month old and one was a newborn. And, and about that time in our marriage was probably one of the darkest times of our marriage because mm-hmm. it was such a difficult time and we did not connect. And for mm-hmm. me, it was, I really sucked my thumb quite a bit during that time. I really, I, 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 I quote my dad. My dad says that all the time. And, That's know, a funny saying. That's um, funny saying. But I allowed myself to just really go inside myself for a month. And, and I, we, we just didn't really connect. And so 
one day I was talking to a church leader and, and he says, you know, you guys really need to make sure that you go out on dates. And I'm like, oh yeah, dates. I remember what that was like. <laughs> yeah. And so we uh, found a, a local church that had a parents night out program nice. and it was from six to 9 PM on a Friday night once a month. And I remember like being there at like five fifty. And I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And, and we would just like drop the kids off. It was, it was, um, $5 a kid. Nice. And, and then we would just go on our way home. We would stop and pick up some food and then just go home and just be together for three hours. And, and it was a really inexpensive way to do that, but it was that connection that we needed to, to re reconnect. And, and then once my, my love language of being together and because I was so emotionally drained that I, I wasn't involved in our marriage. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, you know, when you're going through adoption, when you're going through fertility, those those things happen and mm-hmm. you start your love languages are not being met. And I have to say that you have to financially prepare for that so that, that you're making conscious decisions. Like our marriage is important. I was, I was just recently interviewed um, by a personal finance writer at the beginning of this week. And, and she's like, well, why would you, why would you want to repair things after your spouse revenge um, spent money? Mm-hmm. And I was like, because we got married, we loved yeah. each other, you know, yeah. just because I don't like them right now doesn't mean that I don't love them. I'm like, right. marriage is hard, but you have to fight for it. You have to work for it. Marriage is so important. And, and when you're going through that fertility and that adoption, you start seeing cross-eyed at each other because you're so focused on having children that you have forgotten about the communicating and the connection and the love. For me, I, you know, I just want to encourage couples to to stop. You know, like if you're going through fertility right now, if you're going through adoption right now, and you've just received a child and you've been placed with them, you've been so focused on this one goal that you've you've neglected other aspects of your life. And, and I want to encourage you to, to make sure that you're putting those things, those needs, those mets into your spending plan so that you feel fulfilled and still connected with your spouse. Cause wouldn't it stink if you get a kid and then you're like, yeah, you know, I don't want to be with you anymore. And, you know, and it happens. And that happens so often. Um, you'll see that all the time with people going through fertility treatments that it, it eventually ends up being, I'm in the middle of IVF and my husband just left. I, you know, do I, I have these frozen embryos and we broke up. Should I still use them? Like it is the ultimate stressor, um, in every area of your life, spiritually, financially, emotionally, it challenges, you know, work relationships, family relationships, your relationship with your significant other. You're taking the most stressful time of someone's life. We had oftentimes, um, it's early on in a marriage or a relationship. So it's one of the first times you've come up against all of these stressors. You know, you're in your twenties or thirties and you haven't, you know, life hasn't thrown you all the curveballs yet where you, you have the skills to navigate all of these stresses or, you know, and that is, and I'm not going to say silver lining per se of all of the struggles it brings up, but I do want to tell people this can make your relationship better because it's going to bring to the surface, the weak spots, the misunderstandings, the miscommunication you are going, you can, if you choose 
you know, learn what you need, how to speak up for what you need, what your spouse needs, um, the different ways you deal with grief, the different ways you deal with stress, your different ideas on money, uh, what it should be used for, when it should be used, the risks you're willing to take. The, the upside is that it's going to bring all of this up and you can learn how to navigate it and build a solid foundation for the rest of your marriage, the rest of your life, your, the rest of your, you know, your struggles as a family that will eventually come up because as you know, you know, when the kids do come along, there's a whole nother level of stress and all yes. of these same issues keep repeating themselves. Yes. So now, you know, you know what your husband thinks about X, Y, and Z. Now, you know, that you need to ask for that quality time or for those words of affirmation. It's really a challenge at the time. And I think especially painful because when it is just the two of you in a sense, and of course there's single people going through this too. And I think that has, I'm sure its own challenges, but you know, your friends and family mean well, but who you're going through infertility with or adoption with your significant other, it's just the two of you. And so you want to be a team and you really need each other at a different level. And what I think happens every single time, I've never come across someone that this hasn't happened is that then you start fighting against each other. It feels like you versus them, that you're not a team. And it is so lonely because you're like, this is the one person who understands what I'm going through, who has the same dream as me. We're trying to create a family, create a child. And I can't even talk to them. They don't even get me. They're not, they don't care as much as I do. They're not on the same page. They're not going through what I'm going through. And it can cause a rift that if you don't purposefully work through, can destroy a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You, you hit it spot on. I mean, I mean, oh man, it's spot on Devin. Uh, you know, when you're, you're looking at the the struggles that you're going through, you've got, you know, normal people have, you know, I say normal people. But yeah. No, we I are agree. normal. <laughs> of course. But, but when you're going through fertility issues, you don't feel normal. You feel, right. you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know, when I was single, I, I used to call Valentine's Day Single Awareness Day yeah. because it, it reminded me that I was single. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt about Mother's Day once I got married and was going through fertility. Oh, yeah. And Mother's Day was like pouring salt in my wound. And people would, not ill-intentioned, but they would say, well, maybe next year you'll be a mom. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stab you. You know? Uh, yeah. And it hurts, but they don't realize that. And, and when you're in a relationship and you're going through this together and your love language is, is quality time and, and your spouse is, is hurt and they're going off and, and they're not spending that quality time with you, then you feel that loneliness and it's compounded with your desires to be a mom. And you, you just, there's a wedge that you force between yourself and your other and your partner. So, you know, once you recognize, Oh, this is, this is why I'm feeling this way. All right, let's address it and, and let's plan on this. Let's live with intention and let's come back together. Let's start communicating about money. You know, like let's start communicating about our feelings because if you can begin to communicate and come to back together as a team, how powerful are you going to be as a couple when you now have a small child in your home and, and your roles change and you go from trying to conceive, try and conceive, trying to adopt, trying to bring a child into your home, raising the funds to be able to do this to, hey, now we've got a kid. 
oh my gosh, now we have to pay for diapers and formula and, you know, clothes. And I can't believe how fast kids grow out of clothes. I'm like, oh, I know <laughs> you, you were just wearing size three. I don't understand. You're a five now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And that's why if you take the time to, I think number one, take, take time with yourself, you know, be patient and be curious about why did I just act like that? What's really coming up for me? Um, why does this upset me so much? Why am I so resistant to budgeting in this area? You know, you really have to take the opportunity to do a deep dive for yourself. And then also realize that your significant other cannot be your everything. They cannot be the only source of um, socialization, the only source of laughter, the only source of connection. They cannot be your counselor and your best friend and your lover. And the um, like. I think, I don't know, growing up in a Disney culture, we put this enormous pressure on what a, relation, a romantic relationship should be. Um, and part of growing up is realizing that that's not true. Right. You need friends. You need um, your own hobbies. You need to find other sources of joy. You need to treat your partner, you know, how you want to be treated. Uh, and then you need to know when to work with a professional. You know, your, your significant other can't be an expert in everything. You know, you need to know, do I need a counselor? Because I am dealing with a lot of grief and depression and having panic attacks. Do I need a coach? Do I need someone to help me move forward out of this funk I'm in and, you know, hold me accountable for actionable steps? Do I need a financial coach, somebody to help me make these really hard decisions that I'm facing right now. Though those things are all important. And if you do that, like you just said, um, you are powerful beyond measure. And as a small example, honestly, I mean, it's crazy to think about 10 plus years ago, my husband and I, you know, fighting over whether we should get Taco Bell that night. I remember getting mad because he biggie sized his cup at McDonald's. And I'm like, we're saving money for infertility. How dare you biggie size <laughs> your soda? drink some water. <laughs> that's how petty I was, you know, that's the level I was at. But then after we worked through all of these things, we paid cash. We made hard decisions. My husband drove around a car with no AC in the Arizona summer for years. Oh my um, gosh. That is huge sacrifice. I know. That's I like an know. oven over there. <laughs> oh, it miserable. Um, miserable. You know, we discussed um, having our house go into foreclosure. We did a short sale to move into a tiny apartment um, so we could control our costs out every month. We made a lot of hard choices and discovered what was important, which was each other. And after doing that and paying cash for our treatment, um, once IVF worked, we were like, well, why can't we do it again? So, you know, I, I remembered I took a picture of my bank account when it had $20,000 in it right before we spent it all for IVF, because I thought I will never see this much money in our account again. We've been scraping by for years to do this. And so I took a picture and it was so funny because after we had the baby, we decided to pay off debt because if we could come up with 20 grand, why couldn't we come up with 50 grand? And so we did in 18 months, we paid off all of our debt and then, okay, well, we did that. What else can we do within a year uh, from that time? We had $30,000 in the bank. And, you know, that we were not making tons of money. We're not, you know, wealthy people at the time. We were still young and in our careers. And so I just want to tell you, you can use this as the basis to improve your relationship and to discover how financially powerful you are 
when you're in alignment with each other and with your own love languages um, and have this shared goal, do the hard work. Don't let this be what destroys you and your relationship. You know, let it be the launching point, the before of the before and after photos, you know, <laughs> like just, just hang in there, hang tight and deal with it one day at a time and one financial issue at a time. Um, because it does get better. It's not always going to be this hard. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh, man, that was good. You always have such wonderful nuggets that I love Thank to like you. listen to them. And I'm like, oh. I learn. <laughs> I love that. I love that too. The coach being coached. <laughs> yes. Well, we need it. Too. You mentioned that you had recently taken the love language test. Where mm-hmm. did you find that love language test at? So I just went to five lovelanguages.com and they have on that, um, on the homepage, the quick quiz you can take it probably, it took me less than 10 minutes. They just uh, give you the questions you pick, uh, which scenario is more meaningful to you. And it was really easy. Uh, and then it gives you, it'll email it to you. You can see right there on the page, what your results are. And if you are up for it, then I also have depending on what your love language is, if you are in the process of infertility, um, ways you can be supported in that. Yeah, please share. Okay. Please share that. That would be wonderful. Okay. So if your main language, uh, is words of affirmation, then during infertility and financial stress, you need to hear things like it's going to be okay. I know we will make the right choice financially. You're going to be a great mom. All of this stress will be worth it one day. So let your significant other know that you need to hear those things. I'm sure they're already thinking it or feeling it, but you need to hear them being said out loud. If your primary language is quality time, then spending time together before making a big decision on treatment and expenses could be helpful. So turn off your phones, go to a nice restaurant, just the two of you consciously decide to spend extra time together while you're making these hard decisions. If your language is physical touch, then giving reassurances via physical touch during the process of making these hard financial decisions is what will matter most. So that might mean holding hands on the couch while your doctor's calling with your pregnancy test results, a hand on the back while you are walking into the finance office of your clinic, an extra hug or snuggle during the day, during infertility treatments can, because honestly, I don't know if this was your experience, but depending on how long you try and what treatments you're doing, uh, infertility treatments can really make physical touch robotic in routine because you are on a schedule <laughs> and the only not time fun. you're not fun again um, tonight again, <laughs> right? Right. Like, or, you know, you're calling them at work, like, you know, the overdrill shots in, you have exactly 48 hours to perform. Like, right. <laughs> it, it adds a different elements to that romantic time together. So, you know, take, take back the, the power of physical touch and, um, you know, make it not something sexy, just make it something really intimate. Um, it had nothing to do with the baby making, but, you know, a kiss that really means something, a hug that you take a few seconds longer to just sort of linger and let them know, I really am here for you today. That sort of thing. If your language is receiving gifts, then getting a little surprise during your two week wait, a gift to wear during your IUI or transfer day, which I, the market on this is getting much better. I've seen little pineapple necklaces. I've seen fun socks since you're going to be in those stirrups anyways. Um, 
I've seen That's a cute shirts. idea. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. They have super I mean, cute those strips now. every other day. <laughs> right? You might as well have cute socks on. So they have, I mean, there's like a whole industry now on Etsy devoted to this. Um, so going out of your way to surprise your significant other with a thoughtful gift, uh, that goes a long way in, re- in relieving the anxiety and sort of changing the mood from nervous to excited. So, you know, if, if they don't know that that's your love language, let your spouse know, Hey, it'd be really great if you got me a little something in the next two weeks, just so, you know, leave it up to them what they get and, and, you know, let, let them show you love. You have to be open to receiving it too and taking it for what it is that they care enough to do it. Right. So the last one is acts of service. And this would be just doing more than you normally do. So figure out what is bringing them the most stress and then taking a part of that burden on yourself that helps tremendously. So that might be cleaning up around the house, picking up the meds, dealing with the doctor. Um, I remember getting, I can remember standing in the mailbox, uh, getting a bill from one of the surgeries I had to have during infertility. And I opened it and we weren't expecting to having, having to pay anything on it. And I think, oh, some crazy amount, maybe $15,000 or some crazy bill that I, it like, I literally had a panic attack. I was, I cannot deal with this. I can, are you kidding? What, what am I going to do? We can't afford this. And it just, it just sent me spiraling. And, um, my husband saw how much I was freaking out. Give it to me. Don't think about it again. I'll deal with this. And honestly, it was the best thing he could have done for me. It was the nicest, most generous act of service, um, act of love in that moment, because I surrendered it to him and I trusted him to deal with it. And he took that burden from me and he did deal with it and he got it straightened out and we didn't end up owing that money. There was no reason for me to freak out, but those acts of service, if if that's what your love language is, let your, let them know that, you know, let them know I'm going to need a little extra help these dishes are what's stressing me out right now. Dealing with your in-laws is what's stressing me out right now. <laughs> Whatever it is, let them know this is the, the biggest stressor that we can control because obviously the biggest stressor in your life is probably one you cannot control. I've really enjoyed talking to you today about how our love languages affect our personal spending and our relationships. You know, really just oh, yeah. our marriages during um, fertility and adoption. So I really appreciate that. For those that have not listened to us in the past, where can they find your website? My website is devinbaeza.com. That's D-E-V-O-N, B as in boy, A-E-Z-A.com. Or on Facebook, I am at the Fertility Finance Coach. So drop me a line. Um, Send me an email if you're wanting to see what services I offer and uh, how we can work together. Check out my website. And just let me know how I can help you during this difficult time, because this is all I do. I could talk about it all day long. (laughs) It's so fun, isn't it? I love talking about money. (laughs) Yes, this is everything I love all in one place. Um, So I, I love to find out how I can help people and what services and what, what, just what they need the most right now in their life. That's what we work together on. Don't forget to share our family money coaching podcast on social media. I'm going to challenge you this week to follow us on Facebook at Family Money Coaching. Until next time, live your financial life with intention.